We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. For boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit winbet.com. That's W-H-N-N-Bet.com to start winning. Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always by my co-host Nick Pilato. A lot to talk about on today's show. Just got through listening to Joe Shane, introductory presser as the general manager of the New York Giants. We're also going to do a little bit of an update on the head coaching search as that continues to roll on. Obviously, we expect some kind of, I guess, decision, determination to be made shortly, but I don't know because seems like they're taking their time with their process and that's not necessarily a bad thing as NFL teams across the board looking for head coaches right now are doing the same so let's start with Joe Shane Nick and then we'll talk a little bit about the head coaching process um, obviously some news and some updates there from sources close to Vacchiano and one from Pat Leonard I believe we'll, we'll both talk about but let's first talk about Jane's inter- Shane's introductory presser so first thoughts on Joe Shane just from the presser I thought he was buttoned up I thought he said a lot of you know company line type of things, nothing too extravagant, but he gave a blueprints just to who he is essentially as how he views building roster. And also he just, he preys on everybody from his past, but he did talk about uh, analytics. I think he referred to them as data innovation and how he's going to use it as a tool. That's something that we've discussed on this podcast, how I think analytics is, is an awesome tool to help you win football games, but it's not the end all be all. And he also talks a lot about continuity and how, the Giants, and I think the question that was asked to him, the Giants have not had continuity over the last several coaching stabs. He mentioned, Joe Shane, that is how volatile the business is, but also stated that, you know, continuity is is everything in this league. He pointed to Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson and how they've had the same offensive coordinators and been in the same offenses and how they have had success. But other quarterbacks from that class, now he didn't mention them, but he's referring to Baker Mayfield and Josh Rosen, have not had 
that type of continuity. So they haven't had near the success. And he attributes some of the success of Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson to continuity, only some of the success because those guys are special too. I think that was interesting as well. And, you know, he already has some developed continuity with Brian Dayball from their time together in Buffalo. So that was something else that I uh, looked into and thought was interesting. Yeah, first thing I texted you during the start of it was he's very buttoned up. He was a little bit nervous when he first got the mic, as you would imagine. I mean, he's not that old. He's a young GM. They're bringing in uh, a totally different, like night and day from the last GM they brought in. And you could just see it in, or hear it, I should say, in how he talked during his first presser. Like, put this and reference it against Dave Gettleman's presser. It's a totally different thing. Gettleman gave a ton of information out about how he planned to build He said he was going to first start by fixing the Giants offensive line. Obviously, we both believe that he didn't do enough to try to fix that offensive line and the investments he did made didn't work out. But that's neither here or there nor there. But but, you know, that's not what you heard from Joe Shane. You know, Gettleman also gave a vision. He said there's three core tenants, I believe, in every winning football team, running the football, stopping the run and rushing the passer. Obviously, he didn't do a good job of building any of those things. So maybe stopping the run. But. That's not something Shane gave either. He didn't give some kind of vision. He doesn't have three tenets for a winning football team. That's not his vision for the New York football giants. So it was in some ways boiler point, uh, you know, boilerplate type stuff from Shane, but not always. One of the things that he, you know, talked about, which I think is important is what you mentioned analytics. Now me and Nick both agree. Analytics are not the be all end all. We may be a more analytically forward podcast and giants, a content provider than, than some maybe, but we're not all in on analytics either being the be all end all, but we do like the idea of them being incorporated. I talked to somebody who I'm not going to mention because he asked me not to, but a listener of ours who actually has a connection with the giants and mentioned something about I, you know, I don't know how deep I can go into this, Nick. I'm starting to feel a little awkward about it just because I don't have his full confirmation on this. But needless to say, the Giants were not very far in analytics with their last department. I'll leave it at that to the point where it essentially has started the idea of incorporating analytics at all into the everyday business, not just the coaching, but the everyday business is new to the Giants front. It's something that started very, very, very recently, while other teams have been using it for decades now. And so I think Shane is going to incorporate it in a good way, in a way that the Giants need and haven't in the past used. So that's something I took away. I also think that, you know, something he met, he mentioned that uh, was interesting to me was the qualities he was looking for in a head coach. He, again, mentioned analytics and being progressive in your approach as a coaching. Um, so, you know, being, he said, have the ability to listen to experts in their field. And that's not something I always thought was the case with Joe Judge, if I'm going to be completely honest. I think he made he made it, you know, his his goal to make that clear to the media as well. Joe Judge said mul- multiple times, you know, I believe in the field. I I don't always believe in things like you need to score the most points to win football games. And I think that's going to change with Joe Shane and the next head coach. I think they're going to have a unit that, you know, maybe might hire someone to manage the clock. Right. Your job is only time management or they might hire someone. Your job is only time management in the two minute drill both offense and defense, or your job is only challenges. Things of that nature that have plagued the Giants in the past because it's one guy doing the job, one guy running the show. Well, now maybe there's people hired who are experts in this to run that show. Is it now the good time to run the two-point conversion? Is now not. Things of that nature that I think will start to be incorporated. So that was exciting. But I think the big news to me here, or there's two big pieces from his presser. So let's start with one, and then we'll work to the second. We'll start with the lighter one, Nick. The lighter one is that, 
Joe Shane does believe that the Giants are in a real, he called it a concerning and real situation with their salary cap, said they're going to be difficult decisions that are going to have to be made. Me and Kevin Abrams will have to make those decisions. So one, Kevin Abrams is on board. That was something that kind of needed to be confirmed. But what it tells me is they don't plan to go crazy in free agency, regardless of if they cut players who create cap room, which they can and probably will. He wants to build through the draft and re-sign those guys. Yeah, and I think we know some of the guys that he's referencing, all those tough decisions that are going to have to be made. I mean, Sterling Shepard with the injury, that's that's going to be a, a very tough type of decision. But I think it's something that a lot of people didn't expect him to be a, a building block moving forward because of the cap situation. And now you add that injury on top of it, it just it's unfortunate, but it's the nature of the business. There's going to be a lot of players who may have been with the Giants for, for a decent amount of time who are gone. And that also makes me look at some of the 2020 free agents. I don't know if any of them are necessarily considered in this because their contracts don't extend too far, but it, it does leave the the door open for some moves that may even be unexpected because I think Joe Shane really wants to kind of fix this salary cap because it's not necessarily an issue he had with Buffalo. They fixed that. They got that, they got that team right on track. They built through the draft. They signed the free agents they had to, and then the roster was set in place. But now with the Giants, you don't have any cap space right now. You have to make moves if you want to attack free agency. And he even referenced that he was a little bit behind with free agency. He's up to snuff on the draft. But with free agency, he's a little bit behind. He has to catch up. And I think they want to probably try to be active. He talked about bringing in the right fit guys, guys who are going to buy into the message, guys that are going to help the roster be to what the coaches want. And if you want to do that, you're going to need some money, man. And they don't have any money right now. We knew that was going to be an issue, but we didn't realize that the season was going to be as tragically bad as it was. Yeah, and he's going to want to get their uh, their cap situation to a healthy point moving forward. I'm not going to say I have my reservations on that, Nick, but just devil's advocate, playing a little bit of devil's advocate. I'm not so sure that's necessary. I, If I was operating this cap, I wouldn't want to ever really be in a healthy position personally. I just want to, I think, I, I honestly feel like the Saints have found a little bit of a cheat code when it, it's not just the Saints. The Saints are not the only team doing this. There are plenty of, they're not plenty, but there are several teams doing this, but I've almost found a little bit of a cheat code. Like 10 years ago, the Saints in January were in crazy cap hell. They're screwed. They can't get out of it. That's been a 10 year running thing for them. And if you just keep pushing it back, you don't eventually ever have to pay it until the one year where you bottom out and then you could get a top draft pick and potentially land Joe Burrow. So I just don't ultimately know that it's not the best. It's it's in the best interest to try to build this healthy cap situation. But I don't actually think that's what he's going to do. I don't think he's going to just try to be frugal just to get us back to the point where like where we're 40 million under the cap or 50 million under the cap in a coming year. I think it's more based on it's more along the lines of what you said, Nick, which is they're over the cap right now. They need to make these decisions anyway just to have space for the draft picks. They have 11 draft picks, or at least that's what Joe Shane says. I thought it was a one fewer, but I guess we'll find out what happens on that front. But they have obviously double-digit draft picks regardless. They have to fit all those ca- contracts under the books. They have positions that will need to be addressed in free agency. Like, no, we don't expect the Giants to be big players in free agency. Joe Shane said himself, I'm not going to be the GM who comes in here and signs the big ticket free agent. That's not me. And by the way, the Giants were that under Gettleman. They signed Nate Solder, who was the big ticket free agent from the tackle group in that class, and Kenny Galladay, who was the big ticket free agent from the wide receiver group in that class. And, you know, it was he wasn't the biggest contract, but James Bradbury was very close to one of the biggest contracts in that class as well. And some would argue that, you know, in some ways, Leonard Williams was a bit of a free agent play as well, because if the Giants traded for him, they gave a third round pick, 
early third round pick. And then they made him one of the highest paid defensive linemen in the NFL. So that's not going to be the case as much with Joe Shane. But having said that, they're going to need to make some moves. Like some of these positions, tight end, guard, tackle even, like especially with Matt Parrott's injury, those may not be able to be addressed just via the draft. Those may have to be addressed via free agency, both from a depth and starter standpoint. So I still think the Giants are going to be free agent uh, players in free agency, Nick. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, if they can make it work through a salary cap manner, then I, I believe so too. And Shane uh, referenced, you know, there's definitely pieces in place. You know, you add young foundation through the draft. I, I think he does want to be a player in free agency, like you uh, referenced there. And he said that there are positions on the roster that are devoid of talent. And I think we can, we know those positions, right? You're talking about the offensive line, basically tackle guard, all, the entire offensive line. Center not, as well right now. Yeah. That's not named Andrew Thomas, tight end linebacker. I think Shane's going to go into that draft. He's going to try to build up the foundation. He's used that word several times, the foundation. You're going to need to add depth, I think through free agency. And he's probably going to bring in guys that he trusts guys who have been around the league. You, you, he's, dropped a lot of names man and there's a wide net of of coaches from the past that have worked with probably some players when they were younger who may be available in free agency that he knows that will buy in that can have the right culture but he also referenced he wants the right type of guys which makes sense he wants players who are going to buy in but they have to be talented and they have to have a good character another interesting thing that shane touched on several different times too dan was he just talked about being a good person he's like if you're a good person and you're a hard worker i can work with you and he was more referencing that not as much on the football field but in the front office. So that was, uh, I think, a question that Ed Valentine, my boss, asked about, like, if you're put into a position where you're going to have to make decisions on personnel in the front office, do you have full autonomy to do that? And I believe Ed is actually referencing John Mara's nephew and Chris Mara. If those guys were not up to snuff with their jobs, would he be able to fire them? Or do they basically have carte blanche because they're John Mara's relatives? You know, Shane kind of said, I'm not going to come in here and just blow this thing up and change uh, people's rules. I'm going to give everyone an opportunity to work with me. And if they can prove that they can, you know, have a good work ethic, then essentially they'll probably stay, which is also good. Well, I first want to do touch on something you just discussed. I do want to talk a little bit about what you just mentioned, because he also mentioned that ownership has made it clear to him that he has and will have all the resources he needs. Now, what does that tell me? That tells me that they're not going to be afraid to spend. That tells me they're not going to be afraid to cut players that result in a dead salary cap hit that ultimately comes out of the owner's pockets. And that tells me that they're not going to be afraid to make those tough decisions that might require, you know, pushing again, pushing some of the salary cap hit back into future years, which I am for to try to improve this roster. Again, keep pushing it back. Use that same strategy to your advantage. It is an advantage right now in the NFL. It really does feel like one, especially because once you do bottom out, it doesn't really matter that final year, how much dead cap you have. You're going to be one of the worst teams. And in, in, in some ways, it's almost better to be a worse team if you're looking for a quarterback and you have better draft position. So that's a whole nother story and a whole nother debate. But it tells me that they're going to be willing to make those cuts that result in dead cap, but also result in cleared cap space that they can then use to improve, like you said, the depth in the roster. I also wanted to talk a little bit about what Joe Shane said, because he said after the Zoom interview, he sat there and he told his wife, you know, he's getting a lot of interest from other teams, but this is the place I want to be. Bill Parcells told him this is the best job in the NFL. And so, you know, it goes to show that, you know, there's been a lot of talk about John Mara and how bad of an owner he is and how bad this Giants organization is. 
But you know what, man? I feel like if the product on the field has had been a lot better over these last 10 years or just a little bit better, that conversation wouldn't be had. And that talking point, that narrative wouldn't be as pronounced. And I think you hear it when somebody like Shane says, this is where I want it to be. And, you know, you have people that he trusts around the NFL. One of the the best, I don't know, people, I guess I would say, in football over the last couple of decades, Bill Parcells, is telling him this is the best job of the NFL. So that stood out to me as well, Nick. Yeah, it definitely stood out. And another thing that stood out is – we figured there was going to be a longer leash for Joe Shane and whoever the coach is. Someone floated out there the playoff. It might have been Pat Leonard. Do you need to make the playoffs? And he essentially said, you just need to make progress. You know, you want to build that foundation. He used that word again. And you want to make progress with the roster and what you're seeing on the field, which was a similar thing that John Merrill wanted to see with Joe Judge in the last regime. It's just it's there was no progress whatsoever there, especially through those last six weeks. It was arguably the worst six-week stretch I've ever seen as a New York Giants fan. So I think that's another thing that definitely gives the new regime a longer leash to to build this roster into what they believe it can be from a competitive standpoint. Because I, I'm not even 100% certain how competitive they're going to be next year. I do agree, and Shane mentioned this as well. You know, there are building blocks on this roster. And when they were all healthy, it's not terrible. And he mentioned that because the Giants were decimated by injuries. And I agree with Joe Shane, though, as well, dude. I, I think there are some some pieces specifically on the defensive side that that are really, really interesting uh, moving forward. And there are a lot of big question marks surrounding the New York Giants right now with Saquon Barkley and with Daniel Jones and, and some of those higher draft picks that Dave Gettleman invested in that haven't necessarily shown the consistent track record to be building blocks moving forward. Yeah, without a doubt. And I want to talk a little bit about his thoughts on the coaching situation and some of the things he said about what he wants in a coach. But we'll leave that actually for the end because we can then transition uh, more smoothly into coaching head coaching updates some things we've heard some reports that have been made as the coaching search continues so instead let's talk a little bit about um a few other things he mentioned in this presser before touching on what he said about jones and the thoughts on jones um he said i've already seen rounds one through four on our buffalo bills draft board so he says he feels he has a good idea with the rounds one through four prospects right now he was working toward free agency too he said since buffalo had some money to spend over there but he said he still needs to do a lot of work on that Obviously, he said, you know, he talked about the condensed timeline he has now joining the Giants and trying to get that salary cap down. One thing that stood out, though, Nick, was he said, um, as far as the head coaching hire, it will be a collaborative effort between him, John Mara and Steve Tisch. Now, in the past, we had heard from Mara himself and from the statement he released that the GM would have full autonomy to hire a head coach. Were you a bit surprised to hear that it will be a decision made by those three? No, it doesn't surprise me at all. I, mean, I, I think a lot of organizations probably do that. And that doesn't mean that John Mayer is going to be like, no, I don't want you to have that guy. I just think John Mayer needs to kind of sign off on it. And I don't think John Mayer is going to have an issue with Flo, with Brian Dayball, or really any of the ones that they are interviewing because he's on the interview process as well. So I, I think it's it's not as big of a deal. Yeah, I think you're right. But I do think it's interesting because of some of the reports we've read. Um and, you know, if it is a collaborative decision and Mara is playing a role in this, well, we've read or at least we've heard reported that Brian Daybill is the favorite. This is according to Ralph Facciano, pretty plugged in with the Giants. But there's a lot of strong support for Brian Flores, who many believe is the top choice of co-owner John Mara. Now, Flores and Shone don't, uh, Shane, sorry, don't have a history together. But apparently, according to sources, you know, close to Ralph Acciano, they've spoken. So Shane has kind of made contact with Brian Flores, who is somebody who John Mara wants, according to Ralph Acciano. And that's really not the only report. We also had Pat Leonard come out and say, 
Sources say members of the Giants organization have contacted multiple members of the Dolphins support staff and assistant coaches to do deep digging on Brian Flores. They've also received encouraging and glowing reviews in return. Giants aren't shy about acknowledging their meaningful work on Flores. They make calls on all candidates, but this homework on Flores time and end in Miami reflects a specifically thorough process on him, reinforcing the Giants' serious interest and indicating, and they've indicated the feedback is positive. So now you got Leonard and Vacchiano reporting strong interest in Flores, also reporting a lot that has come from John Mara, the owner, who now we know will play a big role in this head coach hire. In addition to Jordan Ronan reporting that Dan Quinn really repressed, I'm sorry, really impressed in his interview. Don't count him out, according to Jordan Ronan. So a lot of moving pieces there, obviously, in the head coaching search. And now we know it will be a collaborative effort. Any thoughts on any of those reports? What's going on, everyone? Football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Giants tickets anymore because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as you go to find NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that other ticket sites charge. Aren't those terrible? Which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. That's a pretty good deal. If you just want to go check out the Giants, you know, pregame, hopefully they win a football game, then Please head on over to TickPick.com today to save $10 on your first order of Giants tickets. That's TickPick.com. Check it out, everyone. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Nah, none of those reports shock me whatsoever about Dan Quinn possibly being in the running to get this head coaching job or, or Brian Flores or Brian Dayball. I mean, that's kind of what we've been referencing and what we've been saying. I think ultimately it's going to come down to, to Dayball and uh, Flores, but I'm not shocked at all that a veteran head coach like Dan Quinn is going into the interview process and doing a good job and impressing John Mara of all people. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, let's talk about the quarterback piece coming from Joe Shane, but also overall, because there have been some interesting quotes that I actually think have said more than Joe Shane said in his entire press conference from John Mara that are now leaking that I'm seeing uh, come across the timeline. So the first one being John Mara bluntly and definitively saying we're not trading for Deshaun 
Watson. So we can rule that one out as Giants fans now. John Mara said there are many reasons why they wouldn't, noting the salary cap implications and the sexual misconduct allocations. So rule it out. Deshaun Watson will not be a member of the New York Giants as their quarterback. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I was just going to bring that up because I saw Mike Garofolo tweeted it. And I don't know if there, there might be a video going around as well. I, I didn't see John Mara going out of his way to trade for Deshaun Watson with all of that baggage kind of hanging over Watson's head. So that doesn't surprise me at all whatsoever. The only other thing I'd say is, you know, it, it doesn't surprise me because it's the Giants and they had the Josh Brown situation so recently. Um, but, you know, as far as noting the salary cap implications of it, that's just off. Like, him using the salary cap as a reason not to trade for Watson is a horrific, is not a horrific, but just bad logic because you can fit these guys under the cap. You just have to get creative with it. And no elite quarterback is not worth trying to fit under the cap. You can't win in this league or you struggle to win games in this league without good quarterback play. And Watson's a guarantee to give it. So I'm totally fine with him using the sexual allegations. They, they're, you know, I'm not sure I even like, like, I don't even like tweeting about the, like the supposed interest in Watson because of that. And I, and I feel weird about it because if he's guilty of what he's being charged of, he's a really bad guy and I don't want any part of him. But as far as the cap stuff, I, I don't subscribe to that by any means here um, as far as the quarterback position goes, but yeah, go on Nick. Yeah. And the other part of Garofolo's tweet, and this could be a good uh, segue is John Mara talking about Daniel Jones. And he said, we do feel Daniel can play. We've done everything possible to screw this kid up, <laughs> was uh, John Mayer's quote, according to Mike Garofolo. And it's kind of hard to disagree with that. And then that also touches on what Shane said in his presser about how they want to get a coaching staff together to kind of build an offense around Jones. And that doesn't necessarily mean Jones is the long-term solution. They're going to re-sign Jones or anything like that. And you know, we don't even know the health of Jones right now with the neck. But what it does mean is that Shane has talked to Daniel Jones and he said specifically, this kid has a great work ethic and he works his ass off. Essentially. That's something that Joe Shane kind of made a point throughout his presser several different times about how, if you work hard, you're going to be given an opportunity and a chance. And honestly, you look at the landscape of the quarterbacks right now, even if they draft a rookie, is that rookie going to come in and start day one? Probably not. So, I mean, I think if Daniel Jones is healthy enough, He's going to be the quarterback in 2022, and it also seems like the general manager may feel that way as well. Obviously, it's a little premature to say that, but it's uh, inkling I got from everything. Yeah, he's um, so I think that these <laughs> let's talk about this situation, I guess. The first thing I would say is just going back to what John Mara said, both about Jones and about Watson. I think the key takeaway that I might have missed, and I'm curious to your thoughts on this, Nick, is that by him mentioning the salary cap as a massive hurdle for Watson in addition to mentioning, obviously, the sexual allegation, it leads me to believe the Giants will have no interest in trading for Russell Wilson either, because that also comes with a salary cap hurdle, including a contract extension that he'll almost definitely get from any team that trades for him, because that's how the NFL works. Did you also kind of, you also kind of view that as taking them out of the Russell Wilson sweepstakes? It doesn't make me feel confident, not that I was confident it was going to happen anyways, but I don't think it fully takes them out because I think, as you kind of said earlier, I think the main reason John Mara won't even entertain Deshaun Watson is more so the baggage around Deshaun Watson than the salary cap. But I, I ultimately don't think Shane is going to go out there and probably trade for Russ. I just do want to make it clear. I think that my point on the cap before, as far as trading for a quarterback, was my personal take. I think the Giants are going to stick by what they're saying. It's not 
it's not, I don't, they're not in line with each other. So what, what they're saying is I think they want to try to make this a healthy cap situation under Shane. And by doing that, they're going to prioritize by prioritizing that you can't really trade for a quarterback that includes a Russell Wilson, not just a Watson, because if you want to make this a healthy salary cap situation, like we heard Shane say clearly now, John Mara is corroborating that well, trading for a veteran quarterback is not going to do that. So that leads into the Daniel Jones discussion, because if you're taking yourself out of the market of trading for a veteran quarterback, your options at quarterback become the free agent market that's cheap, maybe the Mitchell Trubisky types, none, none who we can really view as potential starter types, Daniel Jones or anyone from this 2022 rookie draft class. And so that narrows it down and that takes us to Jones. And obviously, like you said, Joe Shane did say, as far as Jones goes, he's already looked into some of Daniel Jones film but they're going to dive into the Daniel Jones tape as a group. Look at what he does best, allow him to put his best foot forward. Great work ethic, passion, desire to win. Now, physical ability, he says, he has arm strength and athletic ability, he can run. He said, we'll build an offense around Daniel to accentuate what he does best. Now, there's a lot to unpack there, Nick, but the first and most important thing is talk is cheap at the quarterback position. We obviously saw the Cardinals move on from Josh Rosen just months after saying he's our guy. Cliff Kingsbury famously said, you know, this is our guy. And then a few months later, drafted Kyler Murray and traded Rosen. That's always in play. But obviously in this draft class, there is no Kyler Murray for the Giants to choose from. The Giants don't have the number one overall pick and they don't have a Murray Burrow type. That's pretty obviously staring them right in the face. So with that said, it seems to me more than likely like they're going to try to build an offense that accentuates Daniel Jones's strengths. Now, one thing with Jones is we, we hear this all the time, Nick. Great work ethic, passion, desire to win. That is important. Every quarterback needs that. You're never going to make it. But we knew that already, right? We knew that day one when they drafted him. That's one of the key reasons why they liked him so much. But that ultimately is more of a barometer, or is more of a baseline for me at the quarterback position. You need it, but it's if you only have it, you're not going to be successful quarterback. So I'm hoping that they can actually view other traits that they can build an offense around with Jones. Um, and, you know, it goes to what John Mara said, Nick, we've done in his words, everything we can to screw up Daniel Jones. I don't disagree with that, Nick, but this is the key. This has always been the, and I want to get into this with you because this has always kind of been the crux of the Daniel Jones argument, right? It's we screwed up everything with Jones because of that. He can be great if we don't have a screwed up situation or that's one side of it. The other side of it is. Yes, we screwed up everything with Jones. We didn't give him a good supporting cast. We didn't give him a great situation. But if he had that, if we had given that, can he still be great? Or even if he had that, would we still be seeing some of the same issues we see on film? And that's always the Daniel Jones debate. I feel like people like to look at it black and white. Like, no, he's only bad because he didn't have a supporting cast. Or no, he's bad no matter what. But I feel like there's a gray area there, and they're going to find that out, obviously, as they go through the film. And I want to get your thoughts on that. Like, can Daniel, can, you know, is Daniel Jones only, has Daniel Jones only struggled because of his supporting cast? No, it's that simple. I mean, it's not just because of the supporting cast. Supporting cast is a huge part of it. Yes. But Daniel Jones, we still see him, even when he has protection, make mistakes. Now, is that because he's rattled? I can't really weigh in on that, but it's definitely not something where if Daniel Jones had better protection, He's going to be Justin Herbert. He doesn't have, to me, he doesn't have that capability. He doesn't have that type of ceiling. I think Daniel Jones can be better than what we've seen, but that's like obvious. I mean, if you have a better offensive right. line and a better supporting <laughs> match, you're probably going to be better. So I don't really think that's a really novel type of statement. But did you see what Vacchiano actually just tweeted 
uh, out about, I think he asked Joe Shane about Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, and the priority of the offensive line. And Shane, according to Giants videos, tweet said, These areas on the team that are devoid of talent or, or more devoid of talent than others, the offensive line usually jumps out at people. Is that one of the focuses or do you have other focuses of where you think this team needs the most improvement? Yeah, I think everybody knows, you know, the offensive line. And again, they had some injuries, unfortunately. But yeah, that's, that's going to need to be addressed. Because if you really want to see... Daniel Jones put his best up, uh, best foot forward. He's got to be on his feet. And if you want to see what Saquon can do, you know, it'd be nice if you could block guys. So, yeah, the offensive line will, will be a priority as we move into the offseason. He believes in the importance of building out the offensive line. We all do, right? We all want to see that happen. The Giants understand that at this point. And I feel like they've understood that for a while, Nick, even during the Gettleman years. He, you know, he made it a priority. We don't think he used enough resources to get an offensive line. But at the same time, he used some major assets. Nate Solder, Patrick Omame to a pretty solid mid, mid-sized contract. Will Hernandez early in the draft. Um, obviously, Andrew Thomas as well. And Matt Parrott. And, you know, even some, some later round picks too, like Shane Lemieux. But having said that, it's hard to develop an offensive line. So... Obviously, you know, it takes time for these guys to translate and they're going to have to put multiple resources or more resources than they have a pass towards building that if they want to succeed in what Joe Shane said, which is finding blockers for Saquon Barkley and protecting Daniel Jones. And, you know, one thing that was interesting to me about what both of them have said about Jones is really just the honesty. And, you know, in, in a lot of ways, John Maris quote, we've done everything possible to screw up this kid since he's been here is a damnation on the former staff, right? Is a damnation on the former regime because He's he's literally saying we've screwed this up so bad. The most we've done the worst possible job after drafting our quarterback. And he did say we haven't given up on Jones and it does corroborate with what Shane said. So I do feel like, you know, while talk is cheap and anything can happen, I feel pretty confident that they are planning to move forward with Daniel Jones as the quarterback and and potentially the quarterback of the future for this team. And that's a big potentially as well. Like, I, I don't I think it's he has to prove it. He has to show that he's improving probably significantly and for Daniel Jones, because I do believe that Joe Shane is more than likely going to want to bring in his own guy if there is somebody in the draft that really appeals to him. That could be in this draft, maybe a little bit later on, and or it could be in the 2023 draft, especially if the Giants suck next year, which they could realistically suck. And if they do, that means Daniel Jones probably didn't play well or he got injured. But as for 2022, and that's kind of, I think, the, the main thing we can analyze right now, yeah, I think they're going to go forward with Daniel Jones as their primary quarterback. Now, the big question mark, because you have to make this decision before the season, is that fifth-year option. Now, do you pick up that fifth-year option, or do you just let them play out this season? I'm leaning towards just letting them play out this season, and I'm, I think we're on the same page there because I think we discussed it on a previous podcast. But do you have anything you want to weigh in with that? No, it's a great point. We should bring that up, and it's an important topic of discussion. Um. 100% on board with not picking up the option. The guarantee because because remember, it's a guaranteed yeah. option. You play it out. If he impresses, you're going to re-sign him anyway to a big deal. That's how the NFL works. You're going to make him one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL, which as it happens, Nick, like let's say the Giants surprise us and they go like 10 and 7 next year, grind into a wild card spot and lose in that wild card game. That will be a fun discussion about the decision to re-sign Daniel Jones because I know fans are going to hate me when I say uh, I don't know about this one. I don't know if we want to give him that Ryan Tannehill contract right now, but that'll be a discussion for later. But either way, you give yourself the option of doing that or not by not picking up that fifth year guaranteed option. Worst case, you can franchise tag him as well. Do what the, the, the Washington football team, everyone hates the Washington football team. Well, guess what? They perfectly played the Kirk Cousins situation. They got two more extra years out of Cousins. 
Obviously, they were set, you know, high contract years against the cap, but none guaranteed past those two seasons. And now they're not stuck with that Cousins contract, a place that they wouldn't want to be. They wouldn't be winning anything real. The Vikings haven't even made any playoff progress with Kirk Cousins, despite him being that final piece to what was already a great roster. So obviously, to me, you want to give yourself the option with Jones. You don't want to lock yourself in for next year. He's not in my mind. He hasn't proven anywhere close as for just going by what he's put on tape. And obviously what he's put on from a production standpoint, which obviously then factors in the poor supporting cast, which I've already subscribed to agreeing to. But even so, just the tape that's on independent from it and the tape that's dependent on it. There is no case to be made that he deserves to be, have the option picked up right now. Yes, yes, absolutely. I 100% agree with that. I'm reading other quotes from Joe Shane. I'm excited about Saquon helping the offensive line will help him and Daniel. Like That's another quote about, I guess, uh, I think I was separate from the from the Bacchiano one that I, that I said a little bit earlier, this is from big blue United. So I, there's a lot of precedent on the offensive line, which isn't necessarily something that should surprise anyone. And I wouldn't be shocked if they invested both those picks in the offensive line. I don't know if that's the direction they're going to go in. And I'm really, dude, I'm really excited to dive into their film. Once I get my hands on it, we're going to start those draft profile pieces soon, everybody. And it's uh it's going to be quite awesome. Sorry about the alarms. I live in Phoenix and this happens a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least hopefully you're safe. And yeah. one other quote that I took away from these kind of like post presser interviews, it seems like John Mara and Shane have done, which is just funny. It's interesting to me. Um, John Mara said the reported rift between ex Dolphins coach Brian Flores and Dolphins GM Chris Greer will certainly be one of the things we'll discuss with Brian when he interviews on Thursday. So it's obviously not lost on Mara that there are some reported you know, issues with Brian Flores and his former GM from just kind of that standpoint. And to me, again, I find that very important that this, this next coach, I don't want another Joe judge in the sense that he's power hungry to be GM. He wants all this, you know, say, and I, I'm fine with the collaborative process. Obviously me and you both agree on that, Nick, and you've made, made a good point of that, but I, I don't want anyone struggling for power there in the front office. Let Shane do his job. Shane will be the guy making those decisions. And, He'll obviously try to build it in the same vision as you as a coach and get you players that fit your scheme. But I don't want, I don't want to, if, if that is a thing with Flores, I, I, you know, I don't want, I don't really want any part of it. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And it's hard for us to really say if, if that is a thing with Brian Flores, like I said, I think he interviews tomorrow, which is Thursday, if I'm not mistaken. And I think that's going to be his first interview. And I guess we'll see exactly what happens. He's already touched base. With Joe Shane, it seems like he really wants to be the head coach of the New York Giants. Seems like Brian Dayball might really want to be the head coach of the New York Giants. So as pathetic as the Giants have been over the last decade, it's still a freaking landing spot people want, man. I mean, being being a premier franchise like the New York football Giants means something. And no offense to our friends right down the road over there, the New York Jets, it, that doesn't seem to carry the same type of weight as being the head coach of the Giants because they're the freaking Jets. 100%. And everybody you know has bash the Giants and is piled on the Giants from that standpoint. But ultimately, I'll stand by this. A big factor in why the Giants haven't been successful for a decade now, or not a full decade, sorry. Oh, yeah, it's been a decade, really, though. You know, the years from 2012 to 2015 or 2016, I should say, were okay. Some decent years and never really as bad as this, like eight wins that really was the floor, seven, eight wins. 
is because of quarterback play. I stand by it. And whenever they can get that improved, whether that be via Jones and building a better offense that fits around him, which Shane is going to try to do, building an offensive line to protect him, which Shane is going to try to do, at least for this year, right? Like we know for this year, it does feel, I do feel, I'm starting to feel pretty confident. I wasn't as much so after the presser as I am after hearing John Maris comments about not trading to screw up the cap space for a quarterback and Joe Shane kind of saying, let's build through Daniel Jones and build a line for Daniel Jones. Well, we know that, He's going to be given this opportunity, and whether that be from Jones or somebody else, if this quarterback play improves, everyone's going to view this Giants situation a lot differently, and they're going to start to be like, this is one of the best places to be a coach. This is one of the best places to be a GM because they 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 offer a lot. They have, obviously, the winning ways, the four Super Bowls. They have tr- proven track record, but more importantly, like you walk through the facility, for, and I've been through Giants facility multiple times, and I've, I've had the chance to see one other NFL facility. I'm not going to mention that team's name, but because it was nice enough from the person to let me in there, but it's, it's night and day. The giants are a really good franchise from what they offer uh, from that standpoint. Like it's a good place to work and it's a good environment. If that makes any sense, Nick. And so it's a place, it's a desirable place. As Shane said, Bill Parcell said, it's the best job in the NFL and it still can be, even though they've been so bad, it can still be one of the best jobs in the NFL soon. They just, they really need to find a way to improve their passing game. And that's, that's the key right now for the giants. They need to improve their passing game. If they want any chance to be competitive, they've been one of the worst passing offenses now for what three straight years, I guess 2019 is not a good example of that. But if you look at the EPA and the CPA and some of the advanced numbers, even yards per attempt, they were one of the bottom 10 passing offenses in that year as well. Um, really haven't been a good passing offense since 2015. 2016, bad passing offense. 2017, bad passing offense. So once that gets better, and once they can start passing the ball again, I do feel like they can be back to being one of those premier franchises. Yes, yes. And I think it all starts with the offensive line, man. I, I really do. And uh, Shane has referenced that as well. You build the foundation of the offensive line and you bring in some competent players who at least compete for jobs over players like Ben Bredesen and Shane Lemieux, who the Giants may have to rely on because that's the state of the offensive line right now. Then you can actually keep Daniel Jones upright. You can establish the running game, which will also, you know, consequently help the passing game. So, man, you have the pick five, you have pick seven. You have a lot of interesting offensive linemen near that range of the draft. You can reach on some, you can trade back, you can do whatever you want. But I just want an offensive line that's not in the bottom five of the league every year, dude. Because it just seems like it's been like that, you know, for forever. It seems like even going back to you know prior to Dave Gettleman, his main tenant was to fix the offensive line and get Hog Molly, which he failed to do. But the reason that was his main tenant was because Jerry Reese failed to do that as well. So let's freaking fix this offensive line and, and actually give the skilled players on this team a chance to actually look skilled. Yeah, exactly. That's it, it's a, it's a good way to say it. Give these skilled player positions a chance to actually look skilled out there and have a chance to succeed. And obviously, time will tell when that can when that will be. The Giants are looking toward building that out now. Like you said, the interesting thing to me, Nick, and we'll talk about this more as we get toward that point of the offseason, though, is there are actually some really interesting offensive linemen in free agency for the first time in a long time. Yeah. From a depth standpoint, like there are multiple options. I feel like every other free agency we go into, there's like one option, maybe two options at most. Like last year, there was like Thune at guard and the rest was pretty gross, except for the Ravens who snagged Zeitler from us. Um, obviously, you know, at tackle, there was Con- two years ago it was Conklin. Last year, was there one big, there was no- none really, right? I don't think there was a single good tackle to hit the market. 
I don't think so. Yeah. This year, there are multiple options, both at all three positions. Like, Ryan Jensen's going to be free agent, right? And he's not even the only guy I was looking at at center. And so I almost feel like, damn it, did the Giants go a little too early trying to go all in for Daniel Jones, right? Like, making last offseason their big splash one when there weren't any offensive linemen because I really hope, and I don't think this is going to be the case. I think the Giants are actually going to be more aggressive than people think at free agency. I think they're going to cut some of these deadweight contracts and start to push some and continue to push more cap into next offseason. I know people don't love to hear it. Some people don't. It doesn't jive exactly with what Shane said to us, but if you have a chance to get a veteran offensive lineman, you need to take it because they're not going to hit free agency every offseason. And the Giants need four new starters. Like the Giants need to do something to get this to to get this offensive line better quicker. And that's not necessarily just use five and seven overall in the draft because rookies don't always translate. This is not from what I've seen. This is not a class that has a guarantee, like, you know, locked in players like the four tackles from 2020 draft. So man, I want them to be aggressive when it comes to the free agent and trade market for veteran offensive linemen. And even if that means pushing some cap hits back, I look at this free agent class and and I'm interested. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll be talking so much about free agency heading up to it. Yep. One other, uh, a couple other things just before we bounce out. Um, Joe Shane said, according to Ryan Dunleavy, Saturday morning could be a timeline for the new for the next Giants head coach. So, man, I hope it doesn't wake me up Saturday. That's gonna suck because I have a I, I haven't I have a big uh big Friday night planned ahead of me. Not gonna get too much details on that, but hopefully I won't be hungover to the news that the Giants have hired a head coach. We'll see what happens there. But Saturday appears to be the timeline that he's at least giving for when the Giants might hire their next head coach. Okay, Saturday. Let's let's look forward to him. I mean, like you said, you have Flores coming in on Thursday. Does that mean he's only going to get one interview or are they going to try to squeeze him in on Friday night? I mean, it, it could come next week. It could come before that. Who knows? But Saturday morning, okay. That's something to look forward to for the weekend. Yep, and a couple other things that jive with what you already said. Joe Shane said the offensive line will be a priority as we move into the offseason. That's great news. I hope that also means a free agency. And he's excited about Saquon Barkley, like you mentioned. When he, he said when he came out, he was a rare talent. Some of these things I will say are could be just GM speak and, and you know, talk is cheap. But yeah. that's something to keep in mind. Absolutely. And that's something with all these press conferences. They're not going to divulge their master plan to, to everybody. A lot of this stuff is a little, you got to take it with a grain of salt. But there are little things that you can kind of, try to glean from what he says and his approach and and all of those interesting things. Cause this is a a new chapter to the New York giants. And uh, I am hoping it's the chapter that is worth reading. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And then one last thing, Joe Shane also did comment on the Deshaun Watson rumor saying, knowing where we are salary cap wise and the pending legal issues, I don't know how we could go down that road. So again, another mention of the salary cap situation. So that just, Leads me to believe the Giants will not be players in the Russell Wilson sweepstakes, something I previously thought they might be. So just an interesting thing to keep in mind as we move forward. All right, Nick, anything else before we sign out? Nah, man, let's uh, let's look to see who our next head coach is, bro, and then we'll tackle it from there. Yep, thanks to everybody listening in. You'll hear from us next for sure once the Giants hire a head coach. We're going to try to do something in between then as well, potentially a mailbag. I feel like that works best. So I'll probably throw out some questions on Twitter. Sorry, a tweet asking for questions for the mailbag on Twitter shortly. So keep in mind, keep that in mind. And if you want to participate, definitely uh, shout us out and tweet at me and Nick with any questions. Otherwise, have a great rest of your week and we'll talk to you soon.